Hey, it's Sharon, and here's where it gets interesting. Raise your hand if you want Salon Perfect Nails for just $2 a manicure. Yeah, me too. With the Alvin June Manny system, you can say goodbye to expensive services that take hours and hours and love your nails more than ever. I would know I've been doing it for years. Get 20% off your first Manny system with code PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. That's PERFECTMANNY20 at alvinjune.com slash PERFECTMANNY20. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sophie Scott. And I'm James Gill. Our mission is to make wellness accessible to everyone. We'll be chatting with our favourite people. Sharing uplifting news stories. And delivering tips and tricks. To bring balance to your lives. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. If I'm not careful, I mean, I'm, I'm even going to cry in this introduction. Uh, oh, my gosh, Ian Wright. He, the, the great thing about Ian Wright is even if you're not a football fan, you probably love the guy, I reckon. Um, heart on his sleeve. This is why I love him. Heart on his sleeve. As he says in his chat, angry when he was younger. So far, I'm like, tick, tick. From a single parent family, working class. Again, for me, tick, tick. Um, and used to play for Crystal Palace. So um, I do not keep my fanboy levels in check on this one. Uh, it makes for a very emotional episode. Ian talks very candidly about where he's come from, what he's achieved, his relationship with with people, with fans... You know what, I'm, I'm, I'm very tempted just to uh, let this one roll because this is an absolute beaut. I think uh, this might be the most emotional I get on it. Mind you, the, the Akabusi, regular listeners will be thinking of the Akabusi episode. <laughs> There's a lot of tears on that one. Um, anyway, Ian Wright, I love this man. And for having spent time in his company, I love him even more. So Ian Wright, if you follow him on Twitter, you will know this. He's been doing a campaign with Specsavers because it's eye week. Um, and so if you follow Ian Wright on Twitter, if you don't, you must. He's a joy. Um, he's been doing some videos for Specsavers, urging people to get their eyesight checked. Now, this eyesight is the sort of thing I, I'm certainly guilty of taking it for granted. So, oh, and also another point Ian makes is, it's not just your eyesight um, that's getting checked. They can detect other things. As he says, he's not trying to scare you, but this is just a fact. When you get your eyesight checked these days, they can actually detect other things. So that's very important. So we talk a little bit about that up top. Um, so yes, here he is, the, the maestro, the icon, the great man, Ian Wright. So I'm gonna I'm gonna double up with this as well. Double up, man. Built so nice. You like this? Nice to be as 
I was a sports writer for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael Hughes, when he signed for Palace. Yes. I was a Croydon advertiser man, 02 yeah. to 05. Went down, this was cassette days, down to the training ground, first interview with Hughesy. Big exclusive for the local paper. Go back to the office, cassette. Nothing. Nothing. Man. Ever since, double up ever, ever since then. Well, you learned your lesson. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll start off, Ian, with uh, the, uh, the campaign. Mm. Now, that. Eyesight is a, I was going to say it's a thing that runs in my family, but it runs, yeah. it runs in pretty much every family. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that we, we should all get checked out, but we don't. And that, no. that's why that campaign of yours is yeah. so effective, isn't it? I think that um, for some reason, people don't um, pay as much attention to their eyes as everything else in respects of testing. They say that you should test once every two years at least. I had a cousin who lost his, to- totally lost his sight. You sure. Know, you know, when he used to come and see us, and as the, as the years went by, you just saw him and his eyes slowly deteriorating over the years, and then I saw him totally lose his sight. So when you consider that it can be avoided, especially like glaucoma, 50% of people are walking around now with it. They don't even know, they're not tested. They just need to test. It's so it's such a simple thing to do. You know, when I tested, they found they found out, they found that I had high um, cholesterol. They could find so many other things in there. From the eye test? From the eye test, yeah find so many things. They found out that my cholesterol was high and, you know what I mean, maybe you should go and check that out. Sure. So there's other things you can find. And, you know, when we when we put it out, I've got so many um, messages back from people saying yes, because when we checked our eyes, we found that someone had a tumour and stuff like that. You, you know, I mean, I don't want to frighten people, but it's, it's, it's vitally important to, to, to check your eyesight. If you don't mind me saying, I'm going to blow smoke here. Go on then. Some people, when you, when you get used to them not wearing glasses and then they suddenly wear, wear glasses, you're like, doesn't make, you know, you, you almost can't compute it. But you made that, you made that move seamless, my friend. I can't imagine you <laughs> without glasses now. Yeah, but it, it's, it's funny because I don't like to see myself without glasses now. And if I take my glasses off, I don't like to see my face. I, I, I'm more used to the glasses. But it took a while to get to that because when you're, especially when you're on the television and you're dealing with like football public and blokes and lads and that. You have to go through the, the, the trough of, of abuse and stuff. I've got a lot of stuff about um, the guy that Howard used to do that Halifax had. And Penfold and stuff like that when you're trying to find the right shape for yourself. But once you get through that, and you can see it when people, when kids are younger, they get they always got teased about four eyes and stuff like that. And even now, at my stage and my age, people still tease you for some reason about glasses. But now... It's cool. It's very cool to wear glasses. You can find so many good glasses out there. And it took, like I said, it, it took me a while to get to my kind of shape. But you just got to get through the rubbish, what people do. People constantly tease you about glasses all the time. It's just a silly thing. Have you turned notifications off on Twitter or yeah. social media? That'll change your life. No, to be honest, um, you know, just now, you know, you, you, don't, you don't look at the, the notifications to, to a certain extent, especially if you, you, you have got a picture of your glasses because you know you're just going to get just going to get negativity in respects of how you look and it's not that they don't particularly like the glasses or or anything it's just that it's just an opportunity to have a go at you but like I'm so comfortable with with the glasses now and I've got so many I've got so many now I've got a, a different pair of glasses for probably every day of a month mate I was going to say you look a million dollars mate you look a billion dollars forget a million I love it but the thing is is that because glass is my thing now and I know I need them. I, the fact is, I I can't stop 
getting glasses. I will if I go somewhere and I see glasses, I probably will get them just because you know what I mean. I just love them so much. It's a, it's like almost like an OCD thing. You know? But something I wanted to say to you for years, and I, as I say, it doesn't take much to make me cry. But I'm going to get through this question without without crying. Yeah. <clears throat> Here we go. Let's do this. You're, you're, I know you get this all the time. You're such a hero to me because. Well, my wife says I've got to go. So I've got this north. I've got this northern working class chip on my shoulder. My wife says you're not working class anymore. You've got to <laughs> let it go, right? <laughs> but the reason why you're such a hero, and a hero, not just to me, but to people, you know, people all over the world, but you know, especially uh, people from families of, of lower income, yes. because what you yes. symbolise in the way that Batman symbolises something greater than himself. I really, wow. I really feel so strongly about this. Okay. What you mean to people and what you've achieved, um, are, you, are you aware of that? Um, you know what? I, I, when I used to play, I used to always feel that I should have got more recognition for what I was doing in respect of playing. I always thought they glossed over the fact that I scored decent goals and worked so hard to get to it. But I think that what happens is, is that your time comes and I, I feel like the last... Um, the last four or five years, especially, I'm getting a lot more um, people who explain to me what I mean to them in respect of how I've um, impacted on them. And you're starting to get a little bit more now, especially in the last 18 months, you're starting to get a lot more um, credit for what you've done and how you've changed certain people and the way they were thinking and what they, what they thought when they saw you doing your stuff when you was playing and how you carry yourself and and how they, you know, they, they have, you know, I've, I've, I was explaining to people, I've had people come up to me crying. They've cr- cried in the street when they met me and got quite emotional. And, and that's when you realise, Jesus, you know, you, you, you've done something, you know, you've done something of significance that you can, someone's moved to tears when they see you. But while you're, you, you don't realise that while you're playing and what you're doing. But now I've got to this stage, I can realise and I can appreciate it now, being called uncle by everyone. You know, it's really nice. And, you know, people just coming up and just saying things like, you know what I mean? What you done for me when I was younger, I always looked up to you. And that is, it's, 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 it's humbling, James. That's what it is. It's humbling. You, it's very hard to, um, to comprehend it because you're just getting on with doing what you're doing. But it's nice. I can't, I can't lie. It's, it's really nice when you see people, you know, even the guy just outside when he's parking, you know. You know, he just, you know, he was rolling his, his little roll up and he just told me how much he loved me. It was, and it's something that I will, I, I won't, um, ever gloss over and like belittle and say, oh yeah, cheers, thanks a lot, man. You just say, oh, thanks, man. Nice, man. Thanks. Nice that you say that. And I realize as time's gone by, I do try to acknowledge people because it's, it's a nice thing to do and they don't have to do it. Yeah. Because if you, you know, if, you, if you're a kid and it's, mm. whether you're a kid now or a kid in the 80s or 90s, I think it's very easy to think I've, I've got no chance. The, the odds are yeah. stacked. The odds are yeah. really stacked against me. And then you <coughs> here we go. <laughs> but then you see you see you see what you've done, and it, I don't, you, it just gives so much hope to people. You know? Well, the thing is, is that what um, you, you never start out feeling like you're going to end up doing that sort of stuff and giving people the kind of um, the kind of hope that they get, they feel like, yeah, he's come. From, I've come from a council estate. I've come from a broken home. We come from a single parent family, you know, with all the things that happen in there. You know what I mean? One meal a day, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, a very rough area. And, I, and what what I like to feel that I've proven to people is that, yeah, you can come from 
from a, that kind of background. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm quite proud of it, in fact, because I've now, I've, I've sat with paupers and kings, man. You know, I've, I've done everything. And I've been exactly the same as I am. But it's, it's, I've just worked hard. I've worked, I left school at 13. You know what I mean? I always regretted that simply because I wanted more education. That's why it's vitally important to me that my kids um, are educated to us, to the hilt. They, you know, they, they, if they want to be in university till they're 40 and they want me to, I'll do that because I just think that education is the, the most important thing you can give to people. And I've learned that, you know, learned, leaving school at 13, 14, I was on the building site. And I've just been catching up ever since. Um, and, you know, to get to a position where people can look at you and they talk about you as like you're eloquent and you're intelligent and stuff, I still find that really, um, that gives me more joy than anything because as the years have gone by, I just educated myself in with the people I've met and the experiences that I've had. And what it says to you is, yes, the guy off the council estate and those kids with the single parents or coming from broken homes, if you're working hard enough and you get the right people around you, that's what it comes down to. You get the right people around you who can uh, who can guide you. Like I had through my life, starting with my teacher, Mr. Pigden. Then you're you're going to be all right. But it is difficult. It's not it's not it's not an easy thing. Simply because there's so many distractions, especially nowadays. We've we've been so hard for young people now. There's a lot more distractions. So those kind of people who can get through, once they do get through, they will be made of the right stuff to inspire the next generation. You, because I'm I'm the same. I, I I'm from a single parent family, mm. and I always had that when I was younger. I, I was angry. I, you know, mm. I, I, I had that fire in my belly. Yeah. It's and a natural thing to have. It's not a bad thing. Uh, but I'd watch you play, and you, to me, are just so symbolic of someone who who had that fire, but you, you, you used it as as, as a superpower. Channeling aggression, it was called. They used to always say that channeling aggression. It took me a few years to learn how to do it because you've got to remember, I came from Sunday morning football to professional football, so I'm a normal bloke, and all of a sudden. Two weeks later, after I get this child, I'm a professional. How, where, where's that come from? How do you learn to be a professional in two weeks? So you're still going to make mistakes. But the thing is, is that you don't want to make the kind of mistakes where people don't want to continue to help you. Um, and that's why once I got in, I just worked hard on being the best that I can be. And that's all you can do when you're, you're trying to achieve something. Be the best that you can be, hope that people recognise that, and they will then help you. Then you get to the next level and you keep doing stuff like that. And then, you know, hopefully there's role models out there that you can look up to. And maybe sometimes if you get the opportunity, if you're lucky enough, you can meet and they give you that extra boost and you just keep going. But it's like I say, there's a lot of people that do fall by the wayside who come from our backgrounds. But, you know, that's just that's the casualties of what's of, of the upbringing. You know, they're just victims of circumstance. Because it's why some of the prisons are so full of young black guys. But the fact is, it is still down to yourself. You can't use it as an excuse. You can still rise up from it. And that's, that's the message that you, I constantly try and preach to people. In the, in the, by the way, if you're ever feeling down, give me a call. I'm going to... I mean, I've, I mean I, you can tell I've given this a little thought, but I, mm. in the history of... And I mean this, in the history of sport, there's not many people who've had the... I mean, your movie, your, your life is a... If you were American, they'd have made people, a movie. That's what people say. They would have made a. They would have absolutely made a movie by now. <laughs> so, so how was that? When you break through, you're at Palace. You've mm. d- to say you've done the hard yards. To say you've gone the scenic route. You know, I always say the view from the top is that much more beautiful yeah. when you're taking the scenic route. Absolutely. How how is that like when you when you given your journey and given you were a bit older? I, I suppose. How can I say that it really came to the fore? It was probably when I got my. 
my my first England shirt. Um, so I was I would have been twenty six. So it's f- literally five years. Five years once I signed for Palace. That is when all of a sudden you know I got the shirt. And I remember when I looked at the number nine shirt. Lineker was Lineker was ten. Gascoigne was eight. Oh my god! And so, you know what I mean? When I went into the dressing room and then you see that you're number nine in between them two. It, that is when it really hit me to the point where Gaza, Gaza saw me and said, oh, look, in, in his in his Geordie accent, right, he's going to cry. Because it literally was an emotional charge that came from my toes all the way up to my head in respect of all the rejection. It's like when people say, you know, you're, if something happens in an accident, your life flashed in front of you. It was literally walking into the Wembley dressing room and seeing the number nine. It's, it's so vivid, I can see it right now. And everything just started to flicker back in my head. My teacher, my my school teachers, um, leaving school early, the rejection from all the trials and all that. It like all culminated in that moment, seeing the number nine um, for England shirt that I'm about to put on and play against Cameroonian. And it literally is, it, that's when it happened. And I got very emotional. And I suppose if Gaza, if Gaza didn't say that, I probably would have burst into tears. And because I wasn't expecting that, because I'd just come off and it's all having a laugh on the coach. And, you know, you get there, you know, in the afternoon, everybody claps and when they when you're named for your debut. And so it was all euphoric and brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was when I walked in the dressing room, saw my football boots with my Crystal Palace shin pads and that by the number nine. It, all, it, hit, it hit me. All of it hit me. All the rejection, all the sadness and all the stuff that came through. And now I'm here. It was a magnificent feeling. I can't lie to you. And what it done, to be honest, in the end, I played a game that was amazing games and felt like I was floating on air. Um, it was freezing, I remember that. But all it made me realise was now I have to work twice as hard because when you train with players of that calibre and you want to stay in that um, that environment, you, you have to work twice as hard. Now, one thing, you, again, in, in the history of sport, that there are a few people who have made that transition from from being a pro mm. to what you've achieved after. I mean, it's phenomenal. Because mm. it is heartbreaking what happens to a lot of, especially footballers, yeah. they just, they almost can't deal with the... It's, you can't. It's, it's, yeah, but even even though I went straight into television, still in it now, doing doing football, you know, for the first four or five years, you know, every Saturday, three o'clock, whatever it was, anytime you go to a game, you see the, the pitch, see the floodlights, you miss it. And I suppose that's why a lot of the guys... Work um, find it very difficult to separate themselves from from being a footballer when you've been. I was sixteen years in it, um, and you know it was something that you miss, and sure. you, you not only miss the the life and the fact that especially when you you get to the England level and you're treated so well, um, but when you're playing for titles and you win things, and then all of a sudden it's coming to an end. It's very difficult. A lot of people gamble, a lot of people drink, a lot of people do drugs. Whatever it is, they go the wrong way because it's something that it's very difficult to let go of. I was very fortunate, like I say, I went straight into television. And it was okay when I went in at first, um, doing the television stuff, doing the Friday nights all right and, you know, interviewing all these big stars and stuff like that. But it was, no, I didn't really enjoy doing it, especially after I'd done that particular show. That was okay. That was great fun. You know, they made this massive studio like a, 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 fat, a warehouse with a DJ and all the great guests. It was it was kind of at that, that time it was hedonistic. It was brilliant. It was buzzing. But after that, I didn't enjoy television at all until I got back doing football. 
because I just felt like I wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't me what I was doing. You can do it because you're working purely off of your personality and, and stuff like that. But then after a while, you have to do what you enjoy doing. I didn't enjoy doing some of the shows that they wanted me to do, but I was, I was, I was in. Sure. And you know what I mean? And I've never, I've never really done anything that I've not wanted to do. And I've never done things for money. But then when you're in a contract and thinking you're doing something and then they change you to doing something else, then you, you know, it's, you, you, you got to get on with it. But, um, that's when I was at my most, um, depressed. So we're talking about, so 2004, five. And you know, it was, that was when I was at my lowest in respects of missing football. I really missed it. What did you do to get out of that? Well, to be honest, it's funny because I stopped. I, I then, as time went, when the contracts finished, I stopped doing, I, I stopped doing um, light entertainment television. You know, just slowly eased into doing football. ITV, Niall Sloan. You know, they st- they they gave me the gave me the break on it, and I just you know it was brilliant. And then Niall was at BBC at the time. Then you know ITV, but then. I kind of like, I, I kind of had a bit of a, I had a massive falling out with the BBC because I didn't like the way they were doing it. I didn't like the way they were um, portraying me. Sure. You know what I mean? I'm trying to be on there doing what I do now, try to give insight, have a laugh and and be quite insightful. Whereas they just, I, they kind of had me on there as a as somebody that was an end of a conversation, tip bitty kind of jestery joke. And I told them about it and I didn't work for them for nine years. And then Niall went to ITV and he didn't, wouldn't employ me on ITV. So I just started doing radio. Started to really loved it. Watched a lot of football. I got really in-depth in finding out about stuff and trying to research and find out what I'm talking about. And I just found that I just got my love back for football. I just wanted to be involved. And I've been from then on. That's all I've been doing. Do, do you ever... I mean, I've read a lot of interviews with you. With the anger, did you did you ever seek seek help for that? Yeah, yeah, I did. Because when I was all this, all through my career, I was on the edge. You know, this is why the people are saying you got to channel the aggression. <laughs> ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. 
<coughs> for some reason. Um, yes, I did channel it and I've done all right. I only got sent off the last few times in when I was retiring between 99 and 2000 when I was retired. That's, I got sent off the most ever. I think I've sent, been sent off four times, maybe five, in my whole career, 16 years. And people had me down as some sort of nutcase because of the, the problems that I had when I did play sometimes. I'd give fans, I'd slaughter fans, I'd give them the bird. You know, people spat at me, I spat back at them, I'd done. I was, I was that guy, you know what I mean? I was on the edge all the time and I was always angry. And you, you put that kind of um, pers- personality and that anger in, and you, 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 you blast in adrenaline and then you blast in hatred from away fans at an away ground and then you get somebody who's trying to have a go at you in that. That's like, that's, that's tough. I tell you, it was tough. It was tough for many years. So it was the latter stages of my career that I was able to seek help. And then what we found is when I started talking to this unbelievable lady, um, and I saw her for, for a long time, to be honest, um, is that it was all stemmed to my childhood and the, oppre- and the oppressive nature of the house that I lived in and all that sort of stuff and, you know, having to hold your your anger. And this is why, you know, when I was younger, people, when I started to play professional football, I should say, people thinking, oh my God, he's going to blow. He's going to let us down. He's going to, you know, for England, oh God, it's going to be a national incident if he, and for like for Palace or, but I was always all right because what I did learn when I was younger is that I was able to contain my anger until somebody done something to me. So it's not, like I'm going to go on a football pitch and just start kicking people and doing stuff. I can contain the anger. And I learned that from just by the house that I was living in when I was younger. But once I learned what was triggering the anger, when I did get angry, because I remember one time I got sent off against uh, Leeds and it was when I was at West Ham and I absolutely, totally just blacked out and it kind of went and smashed the referee's room yep. to bits. You know, I threw all their clothes in the bath and smashed the television you know what I mean? I, t- I turned it upside down and then I walked out of the room and I kind of came back to normal. And that for me was about as, from a naught to 10 in respects of anger, I went straight to 11 the first ever time because like I say, only time I realised what was going on is when I came out of the room. That's how angry I was. I just went to another place in anger and all that said to me when I explained it to the lady and when the FA were trying to charge me with it, they realised I've been... I've been doing anger management for the last 18 months. Never had an episode or anything, but that was the one because I felt like I was wrong in that game against Leeds. It was um, Ian Hart, the defender. Sure. He feigned injury. And you know what? It was one of those where I thought, okay, I know I'm going to get booked. And then he he sent me off and it was one of those where you see a player chasing the referee uncontrollably and I was doing that. and, And so by the time I got to the tunnel, I was my top blown and so, you know, I knew for many years that I needed help um, in respect of my anger because I, I had a lot of fights when I was a kid. When As soon as I went outside the house, if I lost a football match, if someone was, you know, fights, you know, there's a lot of skinhead fighting going on when we were kids. Um, so it was a situation where I knew that something needed to happen in respect of the aggression. And so I seeked, seeked out help and I got it. It was, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. It's something that I wish that people in my community, the black community, could get more of because there's a lot of people like me around. You know what I mean? We don't know how they're dealing with it, but it's something that if you could give anything to them, it would be counselling. I mean, you, you probably saw the... T- I mean, 
same thing. I, I, I was in therapy for many years. Still, yeah. go, still go once or twice a year. It's like having the MOT. Yeah. You like. But that exploration of the self. I mean, I wish what you just said there. I just wish more people. It's hard, man. It's brutal. <laughs> people don't realize because you've got to look in the mirror. It's when you look in the mirror. Like I said, somebody asked me. This morning I was doing something, they say, um, how are you feeling? I said, I'm really good now, I'm smooth. I look in the mirror, I'm happy with everything I see. You know what I mean? I'm happy with my missus, my kids, everything's really cool. Um, I feel happy in my head. It's got good people around me now, so everything's really nice. And there was a time I'd feel like that, and I'd feel like something's going to go wrong here. Everything, But I don't feel like that no more. I don't bring that... That negativity don't come in now, because I feel like I'm safe, because I've got the right people around me, so... I don't need to feel like someone's going to do something what's going to, where everything's going to collapse around me. So that's a vital, vitally important thing as well, James. You have to have the right people around you because you're still vulnerable. But like I say, because you've got the right people around you, it makes you able to look in the mirror and be happy with what you see. I think the male thing as well is, I'll sort this out on my own. Yeah. I don't need, yeah. I don't need help. But most of us, do need help, don't we? You know? Yeah, but once I've started talking to her, you know, if I'm in the right surroundings um, and people are talking, I speak, I speak frankly and honestly about anything, especially if they're people who they themselves have been through it or they themselves need help. I've got no problem sure. with explaining to them what went on. I've got no problem now with things that were said to me when I was younger in my house that, you know what I mean, to make them understand that, yeah, you could, people can say nasty things. Your mum, your stepdad, your brothers, everybody... But you can still get past it. You can you can easily get past it, but it's just not easy. It's not easy. Um, I, one person I interviewed a few years ago was, was Matt Letitia. Yeah. And he said He's that... He's a genius, man. Well, I was going to say, I think you're another person who... doesn't matter which football ground you would go to, mm. apart from another one in North London, but that's fine. <laughs> but it doesn't matter which ground you go to, you will have people come up to you to say... Not, not just Arsenal fans, not just yeah. Palace fans. I imagine... Thank yeah, you. I yeah. mean, that's that must be yeah, it's like, yeah. Because like even now, you know, Tottenham fans don't um, don't hate me as much as they obviously would when I played, because they know what I'm about now. They see what I'm about in respect of my punditry towards Spurs. In the last few years, they've deserved all the credit that they that they got They're going through it at the minute. But at the same time, you can't be um, a pundit and just because you played for Arsenal, you can't give praise to Tottenham who have done magnificently in the last four or five years with their resources and the fact that they haven't spent as much money as some of the other clubs. And Tottenham fans, as years have gone by, they know how much I love Glenn Oddle. I, just, I absolutely adore him. One of my best mates, Mitchell Thomas, used to play for Tottenham. Gazza, a dear friend. You know what I mean? Um, he, he, used to, he used to play for them as well. So I've got no hatred for them apart from when we played because yeah. I, was, I was the enemy and they were the enemy and the fans... And you know, I mean, you choose a side, but like now, I respect them for what they are in the football club that they are. And they respect me for the kind of pundit that I am and the player that I was. They know that if I played for Tottenham, I'd be doing exactly the same for them that um, I do for Arsenal against them. So people can recognise that. And I suppose fans can recognise that I'm that guy. I'm, if I'm playing for your team, that means the world to me. So I'm quite pleased about that. But when you look at Matt Letizia, it's simply because of his ability and how good he was and the kind of character he was and the fact that he was so um, loyal to his club, Southampton. Fans will love that because he loved that, fa- that set of fans. Could have gone anywhere. 
um, in respect of a football club in England if he wanted to, if he was that guy. But he stayed loyal to the fans. So that's why fans will and should always give him respect and love because at the end of the day, the fans are the only thing that is that, that is still loyal to the game. Everybody else, and not loyalist fans. Because um, I, I, mean, I actually think... I think love transcends trophies because obviously the Tissier's trophy cabinet isn't the same yeah. as you know, yeah, which is something that is a stick that people beat him with. He, but, he made the choice at the time, absolutely. You know, but but yeah, I, I would favour his career over so many others. You know, yeah, but you say the same thing I would say about Alan Shearer. Yeah, Alan Shearer are the greatest goal scorer in the Premier League history. Greatest goal scorer is there for everyone to see, and I think that um, he chose his hometown club. You know, we, it's no secret that he turned Man United down a few times. So he turned medals down. He turned glory down. You know, like, the, I think the biggest crime um, in Alan Shearer's career is if he didn't win a um, Premier League. Um, and he'd done it at Blackburn simply because of his powers and what he was capable of doing. And so Alan Shearer with his 260 goals and what he'd done for Newcastle and Blackburn and Southampton before... Um, should be should be lauded simply because he chose the love of his hometown and the hometown club that he tried to elevate with his ability um, to the places of Man United to try and win the league. Because as much as he'll love his Premier League trophy now, you know, if Alan Shearer could have won one Premier League trophy and it was with Newcastle, it wouldn't make no difference if he won 13 like Ryan Giggs did because sure. it was with Newcastle. And I've got nothing but respect for the fact that he, at the height of his powers, chose to do that because I probably wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that. Sure. So, so I respect that. And I, I know we've got to go, but what, no what, why... Something you said at the start, why do you think you're only getting the love recently rather than back in the day? Um, I don't know. Um, I couldn't answer that. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Maybe, maybe because I'm biased. I want this. I want, I want you to feel good when I say, when uh-huh. I say this. I think you've always had the love. You think so? I, I, I absolutely, honestly do. The way people was it kind of underground kind of vibe, underground kind of love because I don't forget one of my closest mates is Romesh Ranganathan. Oh my god! So, so I'm hanging around with yeah, the right yeah. super. Fans. But the thing about it is, is that when you say that, um, I'm not going to say that people when I was playing, um, people didn't admire what you'd done. But I'm talking about in respects of the media. And the way you're portrayed um, in respects of some of the things I did. My story hasn't changed from the time I played football to now. I'm just able to tell it a lot more now because like, while I was playing, I'm playing. I'm focusing on achieving and doing my stuff. But that story would have been a story that could help people still. No one ever wanted to t- tell that story. Totally. But the fact is, is that because the for me, it was... And the way that the press are and the way the red tops and the media were, it, it was better to have me as a... They need a bad guy. That's, the, that's, that's, that's who I was, you know what I mean? Because I got into altercations with fans, with the FA. So they needed to do that. So I'm not the person that they want to push. But saying that, I weren't the person that they pushed, but the community saw that I was somebody that, to a certain extent, I was being victimised. I remember scoring a hat-trick... Um, in the FA Cup and, you know, I put a sign up like this and from a different angle, it looks like it's just these two things. So they printed that I mean, and they on. said something like, he had to spoil it. Whereas, you know... They I mean, had to spoil it. 
that, you know, and they have to spoil it because what that does is, is that you, it doesn't matter if I can, if I spoke to, walk down the road individually on the line and said, no, I had three fingers up. People don't believe you. They believe what they read. So then what was happening was, is that they would, they would write those things. They would write the things that kept you as the guy that's the bad guy. They tried to do it with Raheem Sterling for a while, but then that's all changed. They tried to do it with certain people. They do it with Pogba. Is it because you're black? I don't know. The fact is, is that I didn't get the, 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 the same kind of credit when I was still battling out with Shearer and Owen and, and Sheringham and Ferdinand. And all. I didn't get that same kind of credit as winning Golden Boot like I did and doing stuff because it didn't seem to be the, the fashionable thing to do. So I was getting it from, like, uh, I don't know, like underground and people would, you know. Everyday were, people. Absolutely. Yeah. You weren't getting it from, from them. And it doesn't matter because it hasn't done nothing to harm me. Because, so, as I say, I think if you're if you like me, you're an everyday fan, you see a guy from a... Here we go again. You see a guy from a broken home. Yeah. You see a guy with, with you know, supposed anger issues, but like me, heart on the sleeve, yeah. put it all out there. And that's why that's why I think people, the people, saw the but this hero. Is why, this is why, you know, the people always give you that, the love, because they, they always have, haven't they? You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, what it also made me realise is I didn't, I didn't need the recognition from those people, because... Those are the same people now that chase you all over the place, wanting you to do things for them. Because now you're in a place where they need you. You know what I mean? I don't really need them. I don't need them anymore. I don't need them for recognition because where I get it from is is is, is okay for me. I don't need their recognition. So I'm going to get kicked out. I tell you what, though, when you rewatch that uh, FA Cup final, yeah, I mean that. So some clips, it looks. I don't mean to be ambiguous, but which one? Sorry, the uh, two goals for for Palace, Man United. Yeah. So so, oh, only because as a Palace fan, you know. Of course. But um, when you watch some old clips, it feels like a million years ago. But maybe I'm biased. Do you know something? But the nature of those goals that could have happened at the weekend, couldn't it? Honestly, but the thing about it is, is that I always say that if I could have one. One moment back in the football career where you could change it would be Palace probably winning that final because it was my dream to be in there. I was, I was injured before I went in there. But the goal, every time I see that goal, and you know, it's, it's not like I see it very often now, but sometimes it flash up on social media. It brings back the, the greatest ever, ever feelings, ever. You know, nothing in my career brings back feelings as much as watching the first goal coming off the bench to score against Man United for Palace. Nothing brings back the feelings like that because it was the ultimate that was for me at the time. Did you miss the 9 0 Liverpool game? No, I was Did, playing, man. Jeff Thomas told missed me. Missed the, the penalty, man. Oh, yes, of course you did. You Jeff, missed the penalty at 6 0. Jeff Thomas told me the story about the bath afterwards. What did was he it, say? Was it, was it Pemberton? So, uh, referee blows the full time whistle. Mm. He says the Palace team. They, they they physically cannot look Copple in the eye. No. Because Copple's from the area, you know, yes. ish. And so they feel they've... Yeah. You feel you've let him down. So you not by playing bad, though, James, just by not being good enough. For sure. Okay. So so he says, Copple stood there, and you're all walking past him. And, you know, Thomas is like Captain America, mm-hmm. isn't he? You know? So he, he says, super honourable guy if you're not a football fan. So he says, they can't look at Copple. And I think the Anfield change room back then was separate. And mm-hmm. so there's the big team bath... He said, all the Palace lads got in the bath. Copple's in the room next door, so he can't see you. And he, and he said, you could cut the air with a knife. He said, no one could, no one could even make eye contact with each other. It was so tense. I think it was John Pemberton. What did he say? He said, about of Liverpool, I think they might do quite well. <laughs> <laughs> he said... <laughs> 
It's true. It's that kind of thing, but as footballers, that's the kind of thing that we you, we needed that because I was crying on the pitch in that game. Um, and I remember at 3 0, Steve Couple said, Listen, we went in at 3 0. I remember Steve Couple said, Listen, you guys, you need to, you need to get yourselves going here because this could be embarrassing. So, you know what I mean? We ended up losing 9 0. And went, like Pembo said that, and then what it showed, we had such great characters, and it showed because later on in the season, we beat Liverpool 4 3 in the semi finals oh, to mean, get to the final. So, We've seen Watford the other day lose 8-0. It's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back, but we had some unbelievable characters and we took it squarely on the chin that we weren't good enough, but we're going to make sure that we're going, we are going to be good enough to compete with them. And later on in the season, when they were think, they probably turned up thinking, oh, we're going to beat them. We beat them 4-3 in the semi-final, got to the final. So that for me is easier to speak about. And I wasn't even playing in the semi-final. It's easier for me to speak about the 9-0 because our team showed the kind of character and guts and drive determination and will to win that showed what Crystal Palace were about that time. Ian, mate, whether you like it or not, I could talk to you for the next three months without pausing <laughs> for breath. Thank you so my much. Uh, that, pleasure. Was, my pleasure. that was such a blast. Thank, thank you, thank you so man. Much. Cheers. What a guy, eh? Talking about anger, therapy. That, I love that Palace story at the end. And that's, that's a beaut. Um, if you're new to our podcast... And you've downloaded it because of Ian Wright. By the way, you have excellent taste. I, you know, I felt lucky for that. Uh, do us a favour, subscribe. Uh, the five-star review always oh, always helps so much. Uh, as does a positive write-up. If you haven't enjoyed it, maybe just you know keep those feelings to yourself. Um, huge thanks again to Ian Wright I, uh, and his team. Could not be more uh, grateful that, that, as you can tell in that chat, uh, that meant a great deal. If you've not listened before... Uh, previous guests include the likes of Patricia Arquette. Yes, really, that, that is a thing that happened. Uh, who won an Emmy just the other day? If you've, heard, if you've listened to that episode, again, oh, could not love her anymore. Wonderful. Uh, Patricia Arquette, Ricky Gervais. And I mean, now I've started with the moving tributes to each person. I feel terrible that I can't do it for everyone because you know, there's not time. Uh, Ricky Gervais, love him just as much. Ramesh Ranganathan, <laughs> just take it as given, right? Uh, Dame Jess Ennis. Fern Cotton, many, many more. The Akabusi one, by the way, is a treat. That's an emotional roller coaster as well. Uh, anyway, oh, but by the way, any feedback, uh, keep it light. Podcast at balance.media for sales. Of course, you want to advertise on this podcast. You'd be, you'd be rude not to. Sales uh, is sales at uh, balance.media. Sales at balance.media. Uh, huge thanks again. That was that was. Uh, I'm recording this intro and outro not long after the interview's taken place. So the the, uh, the heart is still racing a little bit uh, quicker than than usual. Uh, anyway, thank you so much as always, and thanks again to uh, Ian Wright. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, 
it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, 